Don't you know that you so wrong, man? You're wrong and here's why. Chris and Greg don't see eye to eye like none of the time. Robert Covington sticks. I don't care what you think. How is LeBron James the king when he's ruining teams? Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. Chris Forwardell joined by Greg Crone. Gregory, how's it going? Another beautiful week of after <laughs> of NFL football just passed. We are on the, the the eve or the precipice of college basketball maybe happening. Um, you know, everything everything's sort of trending in a in a good direction sports wise, but a, a bad direction COVID wise. So we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, sadly, those two things are linked at this point, and that's what concerns me. I think we saw five more positive tests from the Ravens today, not all players granted, but that that game against the Steelers on Thanksgiving is very much at risk if anyone else tests positive, and it seems unlikely that no one's going to at this point. And I, I would ha- I would think the uh, the Ravens are almost rooting for another positive test because heading into face that Steelers team without without Ingram, without J.K. Dobbins, without the guys from today, they're going to get slaughtered. Yeah, it's not good. Um, they, I, I saw that report kind of right before that there was like nine positive tests overall. It was like five players and four staffers or vice mm-hmm. versa. Um, that's not a good sign for Baltimore, especially in the situation, like not just to count the players, but they're they're kind of reeling as it is. I mean, they had the ugly loss to the Patriots in that monsoon. And then you talk about what happened to them in Tennessee this past weekend. I mean, they're trending in the wrong direction and to go in and face the final undefeated team at their stadium, they've already beat you once this year when you were home. It's uh, it's a tough road to hoe for Lamar Jackson and, and, and the Ravens. Speaking of trending in the wrong direction, we just had a small earthquake here in Northern California. So that's always fun when that happens. Well, as we were recording? Just literally as you were talking. Nice. Great. Great place but, to live. Uh, but things seem okay now. It, w- it, was, it was pretty small. It was just a little bit of a rumble. Nothing uh, substantial. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a troubling place to be in if you're the Ravens, a troubling place to be in really for the NFL in general as COVID cases are spiking each and every week. I have, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. I've got all the lines from all the fun events this week, open at Bavada Sportsbook in front of me. But before we get to that, Gregory, I, uh, well, I talked to your brother earlier <laughs> and I want to talk to you about this now. Uh, how do you feel about Philly sports? Um, hmm. How can I put it mildly? Every franchise is completely inept. They mm-hmm. stink. All mm-hmm. the teams stink. Uh, mm-hmm. The Flyers are the only team with, with serious potential. But for the most part, they were disappointing once they hit the second round of the playoffs. And the, the other three teams are just complete embarrassments to, to, to sports. It's completely negative. The Eagles ruin my weekend Every single weekend now, like it's and to go from watching Penn State the night before the day before into Ugh. the Eagles, like my there is no enjoyable football. Like there's no enjoyable football for me at all. The Eagles' problems are are so large and mounting. Like you you blame everyone on the offense from Wentz to Peterson, staunch Wentz defender. Me, that's me, staunch Wentz defender. But this this guy does some of the, the dumbest things I've ever seen. This I think the game against the Browns really kind of broke me. It broke mm-hmm. me. The interception for a touchdown, the safety, and the safety I don't even really put all on him. Like, Jason P- uh, Peters just, like, go, go He's cooked. Away. He's beyond cooked, Like, yeah. you're just getting – they didn't even have Miles Garrett. Imagine if they had Miles Garrett. Carson would be on the injured list. Like, that's how mm-hmm. bad he was getting hit on almost every play. It's – like they, the Carson Wentz does himself no favors with some of the boneheaded stuff, but the franchise as a whole has done him no favors uh, with the situations they've put him in. Um, well, I, I saw a really interesting stat on Wentz. Uh, Wentz has been sacked forty times. Obviously, it leads the NFL. He also leads the NFL in interceptions and fumbles. So that's a fun trifecta. <laughs> but uh, thirty-three of the forty sacks that Wentz has taken <clears throat> are plays where he has held onto the ball for four or more seconds, and you know. 
we know that is too long. No, it's definitely too long. But the problem is, is he's throwing to, as he's throwing to practice squad guys. Like, okay, so Jalen Rager missed eight weeks. Alshon missed te- uh, nine weeks, and has been completely ineffective in his two appearances so far. Um, sure. Deshaun Jackson's played like what six quarters all season, if that. Um, so you, you're basically left with uh, oh, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz has been completely gone. Even when he was playing, it really didn't matter because he's so checked out due to the contract situation that there's just yeah. no effort from him anyway. So who cares? Goddard missed so much time. Um, you're, you're throwing to Richard Rodgers, uh, Travis Fulgham, who, sure, he had two great weeks, but I think it's pretty – Three. Three great weeks. It's pretty well established that that may have just been a flash in the pan. Uh, I don't – I don't. for the record, I do not agree with you, what you're saying right now. That's fine. I think, Fulg- I think Fulgham's a legitimate starting wide receiver. I, he's not a superstar. He's not going to be Julio Jones, but I think he's a starting wide receiver. Right. That Right. That's – Perfectly, perfectly reasonable, but he's not the superstar that he was made out to be after three good weeks in the NFL. Uh, Greg Ward, nice piece, but again, he can't be your number one or two receiver. Uh, John Hightower can't catch. Like it's 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 beyond terrible. The play calling mm. is atrocious. They don't give the ball to Miles Sanders nearly enough, and that's coming from a very big anti-Miles Sanders guy. Um, who's he's he's clearly proven me to be completely moronic and wrong when judging his draft uh, placement for the Eagles. Um, he's clearly a very good running back, but like they just run Boston Scott up the middle, like constantly. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, dude, what are we doing? And great. Oh, oh Jordan. Howard's I was back. just going to say that we, we brought back Jordan Howard to do what I'm not sure. I honestly, that's fine. He, he's the, he's the run up the middle guy now. And that, that's fine. There's a role for that. <sighs> it's just the, the, but the defense frustrates me too. Like the, the Eagles go down and score a touchdown to make it 12 to 10, or, or something like that. It gets close again, and then they immediately give up like a 98, 95-yard drive. And you're just like, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? Like, you hold all game, all game, all game. The, the offense finally gets in the end zone, and it's like, all right, time to give up a 75-yard drive. Like, what? It's just nothing Nothing goes right for this team. And you can say injuries, and I'm listing them, obviously. But, like, that's not the, the core issues with this team. It, there's a preparedness. There's a coaching staff issue. Like, it's 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 bizarre, the, the power being wielded by Doug Peterson. And the, the hubris to think that his play calling is not one of the major issues that's, that's causing this team to be unsuccessful. Well, hubris is a major, yeah, absolutely one of the biggest problems dealing with this team right now. I saw a, a really funny meme on the uh, on the Eagles, um, on the Eagles Reddit. Sorry, as I get a bunch of texts, and it was basically it was a picture of Carson Wentz in that Rams game a couple of seasons ago. Eagles are ten and two, and the the lettering just says, "Please, Carson, please just throw the ball away." And uh, it's funny to think how different the future could have been had he just thrown the ball away because he's never been that same guy after coming back from that injury. It's it's worth pointing out that, you know, as much as the injury affected him, I think the losses of Frank Reich and John DeFilippo affected him an equal, if not more significant amount. Uh, Reich specifically was a guy who, you know, he was designing that offense. Peterson's great if he's just calling plays, but letting him actually design an offense is not the position we want to be in. And DiFilippo was a guy who was hard on Carson Wentz, whereas current quarterbacks coach Press Taylor just kind of wants to be buddy-buddy with him. Do, do we ever run like a slant? I can't tell you the last time I saw no. an Eagles receiver catch a slant. I see I see bubble screens like constantly, mm-hmm. but I don't. I never see just a quick, like we need three yards. Here's a quick five-yard slant. Boom. Two-step drop, throw it right away. We're good, first down. No, it's third down and four, and we're throwing 17 yards down the field to a guy that's double-covered. Like, it's it's bizarre. It's a bizarre reality that we're in. It almost pushes me back to, I don't know if Carson can be successful in the city anymore. One, because I uh, think people I think are... I think he can. People are... People are you can you can see it on a weekly basis. They're fed up with this situation. Uh, the people, honestly... And I said this. I said this on Twitter, which is weird because I must never tweet. But the people who are Carson Wentz apologists, like I am, mm. <laughs> are somehow not anywhere near as bad as the people that blame every single issue on this Eagles team on Carson Wentz. If you look at that first drive, the Eagles are zero zero. 
They have the ball. They're running it down the Browns' throats. And Miles Sanders fumbles at the 15-yard line. How is that Carson Wentz's fault? That changes the entire dynamic of the game. You go in there. You have more confidence. You score a touchdown on that drive. And this is a completely different ball game. It doesn't allow the Browns to uh, be able to so heavily rely on the run game because you're on the board. You're ahead of them. They're they're playing the catch-up role that you got you play every goddamn week. And mm-hmm. like that's that's a situation where all the momentum in the world was going your way. You were flying down the field, and then poof, you you fumble, and then eventually we're in a situation where they go down and score. Now we have to play catch up. We're throwing the ball 75 times in a downpour. Uh, it's just, it's, it's like, like those are the type of things where like you don't see that if you're just looking at the overall game and you're like, ah, oh, man, Wentz really looked terrible today. And it's like, yeah, but that first drive, they were, they were trending the right way. And a mistake by somebody else isn't Carson's fault. Carson didn't not tackle Nick Chubb on a 54 yard run down the field. Carson Wentz didn't get lateraled multiple times by two different running backs like those are the things that those the the Wentz stinks people uh, that's what makes them so much worse because they blame everything on him because he's the quarterback when in reality the team as a whole stinks we have a terrible secondary uh our, our linebacking core is like essentially non-existent our supposed ferocious front set uh, you know front four outside of Fletcher Cox and maybe Josh Sweat has been relevant Stop. Brandon Graham is oh, sorry good. I did Stop. forget about Brandon Graham Brandon Graham has been good but Hargraves has really been a, a non-factor from what yeah. I can tell like I never he's hear a- his name called he has three quarterback hits on the season going into this weekend. Yeah, like like those are the kind of things where like with the cap situation that you're in and that's the piece you add, you have to hit a home run and you just didn't. Like and and it's going to be a really interesting off season. I, the mm. saddest part is is that we still have to care as fans. Like I said this after the game to my buddies. It was like I was like the worst part is like next Monday I have to be all in again. And sit there mm-hmm. and watch this team probably get shellacked by the Seahawks because they never, ever beat the Seahawks. I can't remember. Like, the last time they beat the Seahawks was probably, like, 1994 or something. Like, just so ridiculously long ago. I, I can't – like, they always lose. Lofa Tatupu returning interceptions. <laughs> like, it's just – it's it's never good. So, they'll probably get smashed. Um, it'll be great for my fantasy team because I have Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. So, that'll be fun. Um, but like, I have to be disappointed again when I wake up Tuesday morning watching this Eagles team and just hopefully like that loss just takes, just put us out of our misery, man. Like it's, it's, well, uh, it's not going to, I know, that's the reality of the situation because of how tight this division is right now. Uh, I saw a crazy stat and this is really reflected. I'm also looking at the, uh, the odds to win the NFC East at Pavada. And this is, this stat is really reflected in that, um, let me let me pull this up just so that I'm not misquoting anything. But okay, so if Washington beats Dallas on Thursday, Washington's in first place in the division. If the Giants win on Sunday, they are then in first place in the division, even with a Washington win. And if the Eagles win on Monday night, even with those other two teams winning, the Eagles are in first place in the NFC East. And that is why these lines are so tight. Uh, Bavada currently has the Eagles at plus 200, the Cowboys at plus 210, the Giants at plus 333, and the Redskins at, pardon me, the football team at plus 350. That is so tight. I mean, and I would be somebody who would take the Eagles in that. If, despite yeah. the fact that there's zero prepper, like the team looks so unprepared week in and week out. You came off a of bye and were terrible. Like that is not okay from a from a coaching standpoint. It should have been a much different different outcome coming off of a bye into that game. I mean, honestly, the Giants might be the bet there or the Cowboys. Like it's, Cow- I think it's the Cowboys. Honestly. They have, they have Eagles have a very tough schedule remaining. Cowboys have a very easy schedule remaining. The Cowboys, the Cowboys have a situation where they have a competent backup quarterback. Yeah. He missed time. He got that. He had that big concussion hit and missed a couple uh, weeks and people just started laughing. Like the Cowboys don't matter. The Cowboys yeah. defense has slightly improved. Um, they're still not great, but they actually have someone who can run the offense. It's not Ben DiNucci. It's not Garrett Gilbert. It's a guy. Gilbert who's, was good. It's yeah, I, I know. It's but they like 
they have a guy who who can actually he's made, he's taken teams to the playoffs before yeah. in the NFL, and he's not like forty five years old. He's still relatively young. Like this, this is a team that that is going to be able to score points. If you saw their game against Minnesota, they were very efficient. Now, granted, Minnesota's defense kind of stinks, so there's there there's something to be said about that. But the Cowboys looked like a competent offense. They got everybody involved. CD Lamb looks like exactly what it was advertised. Um, it's, it's going to be, I think, I think they're the team that ends up eventually pulling this out. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to sprinkle a little money on the giants either. So, okay. I've got a number of points that I would like to make off the things that that you said previously. I'm glad you brought the Cowboys up because I was watching that Cowboys Vikings game as well. And I, I saw a play, you know, in the third quarter, end of the third, early fourth quarter where um, Andy Andy Dalton hands off to Zeke, who then p- pitches to CD Lamb for the score. And I got myself thinking, like, when's the last time I saw a play with that creatively designed by the Eagles? And it's it's been a very very long time. It seems like they run the same Tecmo Bowl plays every single week without much scheme change. In terms of Carson, uh, I do have some I do have some issue with what you were saying because you're right. The Miles Sanders fumble was not on Carson Wentz. There's no question about that. However, the Taki-Taki interception where he does get hit, but he makes the wrong read first. That ball should not have gone there. And then he gets bailed out when they just couldn't prove via the via review that, uh, what's his the linebacker? 51, the pick in the end zone. Yeah. Mac, Mac Wilson intercepted the ball, which I think he probably did. That got called back. And then... He makes that atrocious throw to Alshon Jeffrey, who doesn't even try in his own right. Those those are all on Carson. There's no question about that. And holding the ball as long as he is, that's on Carson. Now, is the offensive line good? No, it's not. I don't understand Doug Peterson's bizarre loyalty towards Jason Peters at this point. And not just loyalty, but stubbornness, I suppose, in that Peters was brought back to play guard. Maialata played well at tackle. Why aren't we playing Maialata at tackle and Peters at guard? That seems like something I would at least be trying at this point, given how ineffective Peters looks versus any kind of speed rush. You're absolutely right. Miles Garrett might have gotten six on Peters last week for where Vernon got three. Yeah, it, that's that is entirely possible, and and Miles might have cemented himself for his defensive rookie, uh, defensive uh, player of the year in this game right here. If he doesn't win it, we may be looking back to this week, but. It is. A lot of this is on Carson, and the decision-making is on Carson. What frustrates me with him is that for as stubborn as Peterson is, I think Carson's equally stubborn. We saw that in the press conference where when asked about holding the ball too much and uh, you know, and p- basically playing hero ball, he just kind of said, well, you know, that's the kind of player I am, and that's probably the player I'm always going to be. Like, that's not an acceptable answer in any way. No, no, it's not. Like, you have to— uh, to play quarterback in the NFL, you have to evolve. Your game gets figured out by these defensive coordinators. It happens to everyone, except for maybe Tom Brady or Brady's. Well, just, Brady or, looks terrible. Well, he looks terrible now, but for 20 years, he was probably the best quarterback in the league. Uh, it been for, Peyton Manning. Maybe forever. But yeah. yeah. So, so we talk like like people get figured out. You, you look at teams that have figured people out, right? Uh, uh, Kaepernick's a great example. He went from this dynamic run run quarterback, and eventually defenses basically schemed him out of being an efficient and actual good, like actually yeah. like playable starting quarterback. Things Losing ha- Harbaugh was giant for him, though. That's also true, for sure. Obviously, um, uh, you look at what's happening to Lamar Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. So their their offense obviously is affected without Mark Ingram, but teams are trying to force the Ravens to beat them with the throwing with Lamar throwing the ball and it's working like it's working so I, I, like like the these guys just because your first couple years you're very successful playing one way it doesn't mean you have you, you you can't like you won't have to somewhat change what you're doing like mm-hmm. it's it's very strange to me to sit there and watch bad performance after bad performance and not not really kind of check yourself and be like what what could i do to make this different or how can I get better and improve? And honestly, it would be like, just scramble three feet to the right and throw the ball out of bounds if nobody's mm. open. Like, that's it. Like, it, Yo, 
a lot of that goes back to what I said earlier about I just don't think there's anybody holding him accountable at this point. He doesn't have he doesn't have John DeFilippo or Frank Reich chewing him out when he goes over to the sidelines and makes a mistake. He he's got Press Taylor patting him on the back saying you'll get him next time, buddy. Well, it's because he has like like he they're treating him like he won the MVP in 2018. They're, they're, and he, in fairness, he probably would have if he didn't get hurt. Sure, I agree. But you have to be able to call him, call him on what is going on. You mm-hmm. have to. The, 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 honestly, like, and I know Doug said it'll never happen. The biggest wake-up call in the world would be if they just started Jalen Hurts. Now it's a terrible decision. Don't do that. Yeah. Oh, it's but, a ho- absolutely horrendous yeah, decision. It, Hurts, you, you might ruin Hurts. You would absolutely ruin Hurts. That's why when I, when I scroll Twitter as the Eagles are trailing late in the fourth quarter and everybody's telling me that it's, it's time, it's Hurts time, let's get Hurts on there. Um, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're getting ready to do this. Um, it's, it's very bizarre that anybody thinks this would be a completely different outcome if just because Jalen Hurts is the quarterback. Is it because- Can I tell you though? Can I tell you? It, I agree that Hurts should not be the starting quarterback. I don't think it would be the worst decision at all after Carson makes a boneheaded throw to say, okay, Jalen, you have the next series. Carson, sit back and watch for a second. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I hate the I hate the Taysom Hill style stuff that we do. Oh, me do. too. When I you put it, Carson, you when you don't keep when you don't remove Carson Wentz from the game, you're playing eleven on ten. Yeah, I, I don't, and and it's just it's just ineffective. Like there's too many there's too many fumbled snaps. There's just too many like two yard gains, and like what's the point of this? There's rhythm breaking stuff. Like it's it's very. It, not that not that Wentz has been in some sort of rhythm in any of these games, really, but it's. To me, to me, you outsmarted yourself by picking Jalen Hurts there, and when you could have yeah. gotten someone who could be a serious contributor on offense, it's like well, it, or or defense. I mean, or, yeah. look at the the guy who I would point to is Jeremy Chin in Carolina, who might be their best defensive player already, and is a guy who completely changes this defense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. Anything, getting any sort of real production out of a second round pick, and not just four gimmick plays in a game, is is a considerable upgrade for what you did there. Yeah, I, I want to, you know, I I have had some issues though with people talking about. Oh, Rager's not not putting up stats. He's clearly not as good as these other guys. The response I have to that, one, it's it's such a small sample size, we just don't know yet. But two, do you honestly believe that if we put CeeDee Lamb or T. Higgins or Justin Jefferson on this Eagles team, they would be any more productive? No, I don't. I don't think I don't either. I, yeah, I don't I don't hold Rager responsible for the situation that he's in. I hold I hold the rest of the offense and the coaching staff around him for the situation. Now, obviously, he was also injured for part of the season, so that doesn't help. Yeah. But the the flashes that you have seen from Rager when the ball goes his way, he's made plays. Like he's been he's been sort of at a, as advertised um, for the most part. I mean, the catch he made on Sunday was unbelievable, being basically tackled prior to getting mm. the ball by two players and, and holding on to that on that fourth down. Like he, he was, he, that, that's a, that's an NFL catch right there. Like, you know what I mean? So a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't think, I, I think judging Rager based off of what other guys are doing is, is a little bit bizarre to me. I mean, if you like take T Higgins, for example, T Higgins is, is the third receiver on a team with AJ green, obviously not, not AJ green, but a version yeah. of AJ green and Tyler Boyd, who's emerged as a number one receiver in, in, on that Cincinnati team. Playing uh, with Joe Burrow, by the way, exactly. well, formerly with Joe Burrow. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll see how he fares with Ryan Finley. Um, but that's, that's the type of thing. Like, when you look at the and same even with CD Lamb, CD Lamb is like the fourth option on that team yeah. with all those guys around him. Um, it's like Justin and Jefferson's Je- a number two, exactly. Well, uh, and three behind Dalvin Cook. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking you're talking about guys that have serious talent all around them. Outside of Jalen Rager, who was better than him on offense? Miles Sanders? Because it's none of the other receivers. Like no one, no one clearly. I mean, you would like to think that that Fulgham could potentially be an equivalent, but at this point, there nothing has been proven other than you know the the fun three weeks that we had. Yeah, it's it's a messy situation, but it's I again, I don't blame Rager at all. I think it's perplexing that we're talking about a guy who two years ago, uh, you know, had a faster in-game speed than anyone did in the NFL last year, and we don't give him two deep balls a game just to see what happens. That. 
I don't get that. I don't understand why we're throwing comebacks to him and we're throwing slants across the middle. That doesn't seem like that's what his game is. But in his defense, he's making the best of what opportunities he has. When did we stop throwing deep? When did that stop happening? Doug refuses to open it up and, and go over the top of any team. Like, Anyone. He, he he did it a little bit with Torrey Smith, but even then and it was Desha- kind And Deshaun of rare. and the couple Deshaun games. Yeah, like we just – and maybe he doesn't trust guys' speed, but like Rager is the speed guy. All we heard about uh, when we drafted him was this is one of the fastest guys in the draft, yada, yada, yada. Like in-game speed, like you just mentioned, is is super, like super, super human level. Like give him give him a shot then. Unless you don't trust Carson's deep ball, which might just be the case. You don't trust yeah. Carson to throw the ball deep. And I mean he hasn't made any good decisions lately, so who knows? Maybe that's the right decision. So on the plus side, a deep ball interception is at least better field position than a ten yard out interception. Oh, it's so much better. So much better than you sweepingly swinging your body around and lofting a lollipop up that me at at thirty two overweight, out of shape. I, I could have picked that off and ran it back for a touchdown, like and and Dion it into the end zone. Like it would have been, it was the easiest, the simplest. You watch that play and you go, well, that that guy's just not a starting quarterback in the NFL. No. Like that's just bad. No, sadly, there's a lot of people at fault, but yeah, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And I don't know, man. You said you expect them to get beat handily by the Seahawks this weekend. To me, this just kind of feels like one of those games that they're going to win for some reason. I, I, honestly, I, I don't have I don't have the 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 words for it. It feel you are right, and I've heard other people say that, but it's the Seahawks is the part that that I can't yeah. get past. We do not beat Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. They they beat us in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Uh, they beat us the couple, there was been Monday night or Sunday night games. They beat us. They beat us last year, I think too. Mm-hmm. Like there's just, there's just something about the Seahawks that I just, Pete Carroll just has us nailed down. And I don't, I don't know why. Um, um it's going to be frustrating when DK has a buck 70 and two scores to listen to Philadelphia Eagles fans. Oh, it's going to be misery. Like these guys can't cover. Rashard Higgins, and you want him to cover DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and let's just I mean, th- let's not pretend like the the Browns had a giant passing game this past weekend. I think I think the secondary has been okay. I think Darius Slay has been good. The rest have been okay. I mean, Avante Maddox looks lost out there. Yeah, on, he's not he's not plays. an outside corner. Uh, Jalen Mills just the experiment at safety was disaster. Like I don't know. He he's the, like. We get teams in third and seven, and we, third and ten and longer, it's almost a guaranteed first down, like every mm-hmm. single time. I have no idea. Jim Schwartz, and that's been the case for as long as I can remember under the Jim Schwartz uh, defensive reign here. Like, a team gets third and double digits against us, it is like a 90% chance that they are getting a first down. Like, it's wild. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, Oh my God, words. The Browns had 204 yards passing, 137 yards rushing. Eagles, 209 passing, 116 rushing. So almost identical, and neither number particularly bad. Well, it's it's more the key spots where these plays happen, right? Yeah. It's, it's third and seven in the fourth quarter. If you get the ball back, you're still down two scores, but you kind of have a chance. You know, like it, there's eight minutes left, and instead now you're getting the ball back with five minutes left. Like there, there's there's big differences there that happen when you can't cover a guy going across the middle on third and seven, and like uh, it's just to me the whole team is is an unbelievable frustration that is is just baffling to watch. I I want them to win. They're they're easily easily like my. The, the team that I I kind of live and die with just a little bit under the flyers on a weekly basis. It's mm. it's just, it's tough to watch these games now, though. It really is. Let me ask you this. Is there a chance that Alex Singleton might be good? There is. He has flashes of really he, good play. He's led the team in tackles the last two weeks with like 13 a game. Yeah, like he, he certainly is a guy that like, 
you notice, but then you also you have seen a couple like seriously boneheaded plays, and you're just well, he's like, an undrafted rookie. Well, yeah, undrafted second year player, I guess. Yeah, so like you have to see how he grows through that stuff, but I think he's definitely a guy that that. I mean, he has to be out there right now for sure. But yeah. I think he's a guy that you can keep using moving forward. Like, there's no doubt about it. Alex Singleton is on pace for 96 tackles this season. I'm down with that. What happened and, to the line? And he did not play a ton at the beginning. No, he yeah. definitely didn't. He was. I mean, he I, he like kind of just showed up like three weeks ago. Well, once Nate Geary got hurt, Nate Geary got hurt. Oh. Thank God for thank God for that. But you know he's going to be inserted back into the lineup as soon as he's healthy. Why wouldn't you? Why would why would that? Why would a why would an injury ever force any sort of change? Yeah. Um, it is. It's what what happened to the linebackers we drafted. Like I know they're. Uh, well, Davion T- Taylor's been playing. Oh, by the way, just remind. I literally just remembered uh, that this is our 100th episode. So happy 100th <laughs> this episode! Is absolutely, the most perfect version that this could have ever been. Happy yeah, 100th. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, the the linebackers we drafted. Davion Taylor's been playing a little bit. He's always been. He was always viewed as a, a as a project. He's a, a super athlete, but more a little more developmental. Got into football very late. Uh, he's one of those guys who like. He had that. We, he has the weird religious thing where, like, he only played like two high school football games yeah, or something like that. I remember them saying that. Um, and Sean Bradley is just, you know, the sort of fifth round pick out of Temple. He's he's a guy. Hopefully, Pro- he's an okay guy, but he's a guy. Probably can't draft a guy named Sean Bradley in the city of Philadelphia. Just or you finally get it right. <laughs> well, that's true. It might be the case. Who uh, needs Anthony Hardaway or Jamal Mashburn? Not I, sir. No, sir. Although both of those guys would fit in really nicely in the current Sixers team, by the well, way. Well, I thought there was today was supposed to be the big trades, wasn't it? Didn't Simmons's Simmons's sister tip her hand? Uh, Who said? Didn't you see the the tweet from Ben Simmons's sister that said? Uh, no. There was a tweet that said, "Can't wait to hear the trade news, the Tuesday trade news." Dot dot dot. It was like yesterday or something like that. And uh, that ever the, of course the internet ran wild, and she's like that. I wasn't talking about anything, which is weird to say. Like any of that, uh, I, yeah, she I said like oh, Mondays or nobody wants news on Mondays. Uh, so I was like, okay, well this is this is turned into a bizarre situation. Uh, I don't know. The Sixers are also an inept franchise that I'll never trust. I don't uh, know. In, inept might not be fair. This is the best leadership that they've had maybe ever. So I, I feel good about the direction of this team. I think it's going to be – this this team feels very, very much like that 2018 team to me where there is just knockdown shooter after knockdown shooter on this roster to surround Ben and Joel. And that's super exciting. Even today, you know, a, you know, a little move that goes completely under the radar is Ryan Brokaw finally signs with the Sixers. Originally was going to play with them in the bubble, but then his wife got COVID and backed out. He signs with the Sixers. He'll be, you know, their 14th, 15th guy. Shot 40% from three in his in his NBA career. Just everybody can shoot the ball now. And, you know, that's that those are the guys you surround Ben and Joe with. And just you see what happens. I think the season's gonna be fun. Does Maxi does Maxi start right away? No. Okay. No, no, no. You bring him off the bench. Yeah, and I don't even think that rotation's gonna be weird. And just I've never actually heard anybody in in this iteration of the coaching staff say what position they believe Ben Simmons plays. I'm assuming he's going back to point guard just based upon the roster construction and honestly, probably his, his skill base. He's um, he's too creative with the ball not to be. I agree. And he, he also led the NBA in three-point assists last year with a terrible three-point shooting team. So giving him Seth Curry, giving him Danny Green, you know, giving him guys like that, uh, Isaiah Joe, Brokoff, et cetera, it's it's a really interesting piece, especially if he continues to evolve. And you can't argue that he's he's not evolving. He is not at the rate that we would like him to in terms of his shooting, but he is certainly evolving as a player. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited about this team. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I would guess the starting lineup, oh god, is probably Ben at the one, Seth at the two, Danny at the three, Tobias at the four, and Joel at the five. Uh, Matisse, Milton, Howard. I got they're they're my first three off the bench. I would think. Would you start shake over Seth, knowing that Seth's best numbers really come with him coming off the bench? Wouldn't bother me. Okay, all right. And it's just and, something. And that, I like honestly, I like the size in the lineup a little bit more too. Yeah, it's just something I've, I've been thinking about as as we move into the 
the the hopefully very successful Seth Curry uh, run with the 76ers. Um, yeah, no, I like it. He, I mean, he's one of the one of the best catch and shoot three point shooters in all of basketball, which is exactly the guy you wanted to add to this team. Uh, and he certainly, you know, he's Doc's son in law, so Doc knows how to use him. And also, it's worth pointing out that Shake had that big 35-point game against Doc and the Clippers last year. So Doc's also familiar with what Shake can do. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually hilarious. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, the, the, the Seth Curry trade was probably my favorite part of draft night. I think that, I think that he's, he's exactly the guy we've talked about for yeah. years. Like a guy who, if you get him an open shot, he can knock it down at a pretty significant rate. And, and like... I I wasn't thrilled with the maxi pick. I know everybody else is is head over fine. heels with it. I would have preferred Tyrell Terry, but it's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I'll give the guy a shot. I always do, but uh, well, like to me, to me, we need we we need to hope that these these guys come in and actually knock down shots, and they aren't just absolutely atrocious like uh, like guys have been in the past. Well, you know, I love me some Isaiah Joe. That pick just thrilled me to death because I think he might be the best PR shooter in the draft. He's going to be so much fun. Just, he's going to be so much fun when he gets to play. He's such a perfect fit on this team. And I I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, The Seth Curry trade, you know, the one, the one criticism I have of Maury and this, the most minor of criticisms, but I feel like he's a little too willing to attach a pick in a deal. I don't know that we had to attach a pick uh, to give up the Josh Richardson, Seth Curry deal. But you know, so yeah. be it. It got it got you. It got you. Curry. The roster is a lot cleaner than it was. And actually, the, there's an interesting thing worth watching right now because the Thunder trade can't be completed until December eighth, and the Thunder, because of their other moves, would need to would need to include another two point six million dollars at least in the in the 76ers deal in order to get the 25, the full $25.5 million trade exception. Otherwise it drops to like 15 million. So I would guess that we're going to see that trade tinkered with a little bit. You know, the guy I was begging for who I think is the utter perfect fit for this roster who the Thunder just got is George Hill. Uh, I, you know, he could either be the starting point guard or play next to Ben or whatever, because this team doesn't have a legitimate backup point guard. And he shot 46% from three last year. Uh, I, I love the idea of adding Hill if possible, but yeah, you would have to give up like Mike Scott or something like that. And honestly, who cares? Yeah. I'm not really worried about giving up Mike Scott. I'm fine yeah. with that. But I be don't be surprised if that thunder trade changes a little bit from what we saw originally when it's finally announced on the eighth. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we can get something, something a little bit, a little out of it, and just kind of build this team out, and hopefully, hopefully, just just make the Eastern Conference Finals. Like that's all I want. Like I just want you to be a, a top three team in the East and make the Eastern Conference Finals, man. Like that's all I'm asking for. It's nothing ridiculous. I'm not saying you have to go four, 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 four in the playoffs, win a championship, go to Broad Street. Nobody will be there because COVID will probably still be going on. So, well, sadly, people will be there. Well, even even worse. <laughs> um, it's it's just like I, I'm tired of the expectations, and then you look at the reality of the situation, and you're getting bounced out of the first round of the bubble, or you're getting bounced out of the second round on the on the quad bounce. Like it's mm. it's it's just been it's been frustrating the past few years. I'm glad I'm glad some of the fans have some optimism. I'm I'm. Has, I'm very hesitant to be as optimistic about the Sixers as, as uh, many others. Well, Bavada has the 76ers tied with the Warriors and Raptors for the fifth, sixth best odds to win the NBA championship this year. Warriors, the guy, the guys that just lost their uh, their second best player. Uh, can I to, can I tell you about injury? that? I have very strong thoughts about this. I. I am so impressed by this Warriors organization, like beyond impressed. The Warriors are in the repeater tax. They like every dollar they spent, they have they're getting they're getting taxed two dollars, and they see an opportunity to go get Kelly Oubre, a rising star in this league, a guy who can you know he's not the shooter that Clay is obviously he's not the player that Clay is, but he's a good replacement for him, and especially when you consider they basically got him for free. He cost fourteen point four million dollars. But because of they're in the repeater tax, 
Adding Kelly Oubre costs the Warriors $82.4 million, and they did not blink an eye. Chris, it goes back to what we talked about either last week or the week before. Spend the money as an owner. Stop pretending like you're trying to get rich off this team. You want to get rich, win games. The Warriors franchise completely changed face, or completely turned around, really, with the drafting of uh, uh, Green, Draymond Green, Seth Curry, Steph, Seth Curry, <laughs> Steph Curry. They had Seth Curry for a while. They did. For, Seth Curry and uh, and Clay Thompson's brother actually played together for the Santa Cruz Warriors in their D League team. Hilarious. That was Absol- their starting backcourt. Absolutely hilarious. Um, but they, they they started winning because they drafted the right talent and they refused. And people started going back to their games. You can't tell me Oracle was selling out. When mm. uh, and I know it's they're moving into a new stadium now, but moved into yeah. Oh uh, yeah, you can't tell me that Oracle was selling out uh, when it was Monta Ellis running running shop in Golden State. Jason Richardson was not bringing in night in night out sellouts, deep playoff runs. The, that yeah. Warriors franchise made so much money just by becoming a well a dynasty, really. But sure, they, that helps. But they doubled down on their dynasty. They made the offer to Kevin Durant. Like they they went out there and added pieces to an, an already uh, record breaking team. The seventy three win team got greeted with a championship loss, and then added arguably a guy who's going to finish top ten in the NBA all time when when it's all said and done. Like mm-hmm. it is it is bizarre to me that you watch owners nickel and dime when you can make so much money just by winning games. You don't have to always win championships, but when you compete and you get to those deep playoff runs, you see it. You see it in the cities that you live in. When you're when you have a successful team, gear pops up everywhere. You mm-hmm. see curbside air his selling it whether they're affiliated with the 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 the, sure, sure, the, sure. the the team or not. But you're selling more merchandise. It's easier now to sell merchandise due to online shopping than ever before. If you are successful, dude, I can't tell you how many shirtsies I had of the <laughs> 2008 through 2012 Phillies. Like name a player, I most likely had a, a shirt with his name and number on the back. Officially bought through the Phillies or through one of the major retailers, like these, and and you could see, you could walk around anywhere and see that stuff. That is oh, yeah. where, when you see the teams that nickel and dime, you 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 are never going to potentially make that giant haul. And the Warriors are completely smart. Let's not waste another year, Steph. Let's not waste another year, Draymond. Let's get someone who can be at least compatible with them, fit in with this team. We got the number two overall pick because of a disaster year. We're adding him to the mix. Like, like that is a team that is going to compete for the Western Conference again, despite losing their second best player. Oh, yeah, no, a lineup of, of Steph, Oubre, Wiggins, Draymond, and James Wiseman, it, they're, they're a top four team in the West, I would think. At least, at least in competition for a top four team in the West, the... I would I would guess the Lakers and the Clippers are probably solidified there. The Nuggets, Mavericks, Rockets. Rockets are interesting if Boogie can can play at all. Um, are going to be good teams, but certainly in contention to be a top four team in the West. And you're absolutely right about the the merchandise. That you know, I always like to tell the story of all of the the Villanova runs over the past four years. Every single every single game that the the Wildcats advance in the in March Madness, they're there's more flags and more stuff starts popping up around Always. the Philadelphia area. All the, the fake fans come out. Oh, yeah. So, but that's that, what you need as a franchise to sell merch. You don't care if, if they're a fake fan. If they drop 150 bucks on a, on a flag that they're going to hang outside of their, of their shore house. Like, dude, I, I walked down. I was only at the shore briefly this summer. I'm not a big shore guy to begin with. But you walk around down there and you see... You see flags for Villanova championships on a ton of houses. Do you mm-hmm. understand how much money that probably netted the university? Like this is a small sample size in one shore town that I'm talking about, but there are people all over that are associated with Villanova that have that that purchase this stuff. It's the same with it's the same with the major sports franchises. Just win regardless of cost, you're going to see your money back plus more. Look at the Phillies Comcast deal. That came right during their most successful period in the last hundred years. Like uh-huh. that is a 
but a gigantic contract to keep them associated with Comcast Sportsnet. Or I guess it's not at Comcast Sportsnet anymore, whatever it is, NBCSN Philly. Like, that is, that is the part where I hate, I hate listening to the luxury tax stuff. It, sure, in the short run, it is definitely you're making less money in the short run. But in the long run, if your team is successful, which by getting some of the best players out there, you make your team potentially successful, you are going to win out and you're going to be selling out when people are allowed back in stadiums. You're going to be selling out and you're going to have all that additional cash flow that you yeah. don't have when your team is tanking and you're winning to 11 games in a season and Isaiah Cannon is your best player. <laughs> like, Cannonball! Oh, God. I never seen a guy. I never seen a guy lose more games individually in my life. Well, that, that was guy. the point. That was the point of Isaiah Cannon. But, I understand. Uh, <laughs> by the way, speaking of the cats, I'm looking at the the Bavada odds for the uh, National Player of the Year in college basketball, and uh, Wildcats guard Colin Gillespie tied for seventh best overall. I would not be putting money on that. Archbishop Wood's own Colin uh, Gillespie. Yeah, I, no, thank you. I'm. He, I think he's like the third best player on the team. That is a interesting place for him to. As soon as you said National Player of the Year, he was not the guy I was thinking of coming yeah. from from Villanova. I, I'm not gonna lie, man. I am super excited for college basketball to start tomorrow. Like yeah. four, I think four o'clock's the first game. It's like Eastern someone and. Texas Abilene Christian Nova BC tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. But Penn State was supposed to kick off the the whoever their new head coach is era, but unfortunately Bill O'Brien. <laughs> probably at this point that <laughs> might be the best job for Bill O'Brien. Just switch it yeah. up. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see. They're, they're, that's the first of the COVID casualty games for the Penn State Nittany Lions team. Uh, but I'm I'm excited for for that to get to get started. I feel so. So gypped, uh, not having the the NCAA tournament last year, and it it happened so swift and so quickly, and in such sort yeah. of devastating fashion that uh, you would have hoped that the NCAA would have done a little bit more to be prepared for the start of the season. Um, but when you already see games getting canceled and some schools just calling it quits altogether, the Ivy League mm-hmm. is is the entire league's taking a year off. Yeah. Um, you you would hope that there could have been a little bit more done. Uh, so I do question kind of what what the NCAA was doing for the past six months when they their biggest money maker. Uh, all year got canceled. You would have thought maybe, maybe some structure or something being put into place, but it seems like they really didn't do anything. So I, I just hope and fingers crossed that we can get in as many games as possible and hopefully, uh, hopefully see a 64 team tournament this year. Well, their whole thing was uh, basically just, ah, I hope it's going to be better by then. Ah, the NFL <laughs> strategy. Yeah, and they're like, "Yeah, well, let's just have all the teams in one in one bubble for the NCAA championship." That's that's their big grand idea. So, which we'll, I, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm fine with that. That seems like a cool idea. Like, 64 team tournament, everybody's in a bubble. It feels like the most efficient way to do it. The problem is is getting to that. Like, there's yeah. a four month period that leads up to the end of March, beginning of April that you had to worry about. And it feels like Mark Emmerich and the guys up at the top just really didn't care. No, no, they do not. Uh, by the way, the, the best odds for national player of the year, national player of the year at Bavada, Luke Garza from Iowa. I don't, uh, I don't believe ta- that. Talk, talk about your classic college player who does not translate to anything more than that. Yeah, that that's there's always guys like that though in the Big Ten. The Big Ten's always super weird. They always get they always get the guys that like you think are gonna move on to the NBA, and and you kind of just when you see them in college, you're like ah, you're you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna pan out here. <laughs> A lot of white guys who are gonna peak in college on this list. I'm looking at uh, right. <laughs> just. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Them. And a couple of Kansas guards who I don't really think are all that good. Uh, but you know, uh, speaking of odds, like not not to call anybody out, and I won't even you know I won't even say where we got it from. But uh, you know, eagle-eared listeners can probably guess. We're looking. I was talking about last week the uh, the odds for the number one overall pick, and uh, Devon Dotson from Kansas guard, point guard last year was like tied for fourteenth for the best odds to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Undrafted signee by the Bulls. Ah, yeah, very well. Good value, apparently. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know if that's true, to be honest with you. He'll have to uh, win a roster spot away from Archie Diakono. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if that's going to happen. That's, ugh, man. <laughs> you just kind of wonder sometimes with the, the, pre, the pre-draft rankings and what they look at. Like, I think of uh, guys that go out a year too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, who maybe maybe should have let it ride one more one more year in college? Um, who's the guy from Penn State who went to Roman? Tony something? Frazier? No, no. It was a he was it, when Penn State was actually like somewhat okay. They they won the NIT, I think. Tony. That's oh, Tim Frazier. Yeah, Tim Frazier. Yeah, who he? This was ugh, man. He went to Roman Catholic. Um, I forgot. I, I regardless, um, it's it's th- those kind of things where like the guys go and they they get Tony Carr. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he was a guy who was easily the best player on their team, arguably one of the best players in the Big Ten, and like he he bounced and ended up going, I believe, undrafted. And yeah, he did. And, like, I don't know who was advising those guys. Like, I get it, man. You want to get paid to play basketball. And that, you know, of all the decisions in the world, like all the, you know, all the reasons in the world to go do that, that's more than okay. But now you're you're kind of muddled in the G League when you could have had at least another year of, of showing off your talent, improving your game, and trying to solidify not just being a fringe second-round pick. Yeah. Like, Apologies to Tony Carr, by the way. He was a second-round pick of the Pelicans. Oh, uh, was he? Okay, late, late though, right? Fifty-one. Yeah, so you know, mid-second round. Um, it is, it's, it's that kind of guy though, where like you see those those guys kind of all over the place, and it's, it's just strange to me sometimes the decisions that get made. I, I don't know. Well, uh, looking at these odds to win the twenty twenty one NBA championship of at Bavada, I want to get your take on where you're putting your money, where where the girls' college funds are going. <laughs> Because you know the stakes are high here on your wrong. The uh, the favorite, the Lakers plus three hundred, the Nets plus five, the Bucks and Clippers plus six, the Celtics plus fifteen, the Heat plus fifteen, Warriors, Raptors, seventy sixers plus two thousand, and then some others. Where's your money going? And by the way, before you ask, Bavada has the Hornets at plus twelve thousand five hundred. I mean, they did just add Gordon Hayward. Boom. Um, to me. I I don't I don't like the Clippers. I think that they didn't do nearly enough so far in this offseason to improve what they already had. Yeah. And if anything, I thought they, they were going to get Rondo and they didn't. Yeah, if anything they subtracted by losing Harrell. I think that I think that's going to play a bigger role than than I think they think it will. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm out on that. I think I like the Bucks with what with, with those odds. I really do. Are you concerned um, about the loss of Bojan Bogdanovic? Uh, I'm definitely worried about it, but I, I still think I think that team fell into this very weird situation, right? So you are the best team in the NBA. You are like pretty dominant throughout the regular season. You get to the, the weird stoppage. Now you're at COVID. Then you get to the bubble, and then mm-hmm. the situation in Milwaukee happens with the police officer, and yeah, like it it. I don't know how, like, to gauge that locker room when they they staged the whole "we're not going to play" thing. Like when that ha- when that happened, I don't know if that particular situation kind of threw off the mojo of that team. And honestly, I I can't blame them. You know what I right. mean? Like I really can't. It was a situation in the city that they all live in, that they all earn their living in, that they play for was in a state of some serious turmoil and here they are you know trying to to make a difference uh while also trying to win an NBA championship. So I think there right. was a lot of mitigating factors with that Bucks team. Uh and they've went out and tried to upgrade as best they can. You know what I mean? Like they they've actively been been looking for um, you know, improvements to their team. So I think I think that's going to make a difference. I like I like their chances. Um, I don't... Before we get off the box, real quick, I, I do want to point out that people knocked that Drew trade for being way too much, but you have to view it through the lens of this is a trade that needed to be made to keep Giannis. And I would say everyone seems to think that's going to work, especially if you look today. 
The Heat were keeping Max Room open for Giannis specifically, and they made the decision to sign Bam today rather than wait. So I think other NBA teams assume that the Bucks have completed their goal and Giannis is going to sign the Supermax. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was a little shocked at how quickly the BAM stuff happened, um, but I think you're right. I think that's a pretty good estimation as to what Giannis's future might hold uh, in Milwaukee. Like, I yeah. think that I think that when a team a team like that, who uh, you know, Pat Riley, he's going to do everything he can to get to get the the superstar free agent down to Miami and down to South Beach, and I think when a guy like that makes a move like that with such corresponding, like, you know, obviously it shuts the door pretty much on, on that situation. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. Like, I think, I think that that kind of turns all the heads. Now you do have to worry, I guess, about the Mavericks. I don't know how the money would work in that situation, but I know they've been a team that's been widely rumored to be very interested in, in a free agent Giannis. So we'll see, I guess. Yeah. But I, I think I think everything kind of points to him staying in Milwaukee, which is good for the Bucks. It, then then that means that those first round picks really aren't they're not they're not as important. Sure, they're nothing. Want, yeah, yeah. Do you want those picks? But if you're hoping that if you have Giannis, those picks are probably between the 25 to 32 range every year, or 30, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the last pick in the first round. 30, is. 30, uh, 25 to 30 range, and then you're you know you're fine. Like who cares okay. about those? So I, I'm 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 more than okay with what the Bucks did, and, and I also think that Drew, despite being you know uh, injuries could happen you know at any point, um, despite that, I think that he makes that team significantly better and can take some of the pressure off Giannis and Middleton. Like I don't think I don't think the other guys they had around them did enough to take the pressure off. I don't think Bledsoe did enough. You know what I mean? Like yeah, those. Agreed. Those kind of guys didn't couldn't contribute enough on a consistent basis on the offensive side of the ball, where I think Drew can. Drew's a guy that can go out there and get you significant numbers, and he's going to play lockdown defense. Like it's he's yep. he's a great addition for them, no doubt. All right, before we get out of here, I want to get your thoughts on the three Thanksgiving Day NFL games. First, the Houston Texans head to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions. Bavada has the Lions plus three. Dude, Detroit stinks. That's yeah, a, they you, do. You have to. I mean, I know, I know the line. the 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 sharps will be like, "Well, the the Lions line." I I don't care. I mean, you don't go to um, I forget. I don't even remember who they played. Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, you don't go to Atlanta, who is a very struggling team with a mediocre defense, and not run one play inside the red zone for right. an entire game. Like you can't do that and expect me to have any confidence in you. Um, I, I feel bad for uh, Matt Stafford, I guess, because I feel like they just kind of, they just, they just kind of like they, everything goes wrong with that team. They're eventually gonna have to reset again. The Patricia, I mean, if they lose on Thanksgiving, I don't see Patricia having a job on Monday, especially if it's ugly yeah. to a, te- a, a a very mediocre Texans, almost bad Texans team. Um, I don't think we're going to see any more coaches fired this year, by the really? way. Really? Yeah. What, what makes you think that? It's week 12. What's the point? Uh, all right. I could see that. So but do they wait until, what, Black Monday or whatever? Or oh, Black Tuesday? Oh, he's gone. The, the, yeah. the, that second, that last game is played, he, his uh, tenure is over. But I don't think we're going to see anybody else fired. And by the way, I was the one calling Adam Gaze not getting fired all season. <laughs> and it's going to happen. He's going to make it through. He is there to ensure Trevor Lawrence is there next year. Eh, well, we'll see what happens. Dabo Swinney might, uh, might, might, might oh have God. something to say about that to Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, don't, I don't think Dabo Swinney needs to say a hell of a lot less than he's been saying over <laughs> the past you? couple of weeks. My <laughs> God, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> could you imagine, could you imagine if the Jets, so the Jets fall out, right? They go 0-16. Trevor yeah. Lawrence's eye on the prize. And Lawrence is like, man, my last college football season got so jacked up because of COVID. I'm coming back to do it again. Let's do it, Clemson. And then a huge celebration. Everybody's happy. Uh, we're doing pep rallies in the streets in South Carolina. Uh, it, it could happen. It would, just, it would just devastate Jets fans. It would just it's, devastate it's Jets It's fans. never going to happen because... Despite the fact that this Jets team looks really bad right now, first of all, I think the future is bright. Second of all, it's New York. He's going to make so much money playing in New York. And look, if you're if you're the Jets and you have Trevor Lawrence, 
You think you put a call in to, to Lincoln Riley or Joe Brady and they're not answering your call? I don't. Mm, yeah, that's fair. It's very fair. I mean, you can't, th- this can't be, oh, we're hiring Romeo Cornell to be our head coach next year for the, the Jets. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, you add a play caller like Joe Brady, who I think is probably going to get a head coaching job already after one year in Carolina, after one year as passing game coordinator in LSU. What a meteoric rise. But, or, or Lincoln Riley. Yeah. I mean, they're ready. They're going to, they're going to jump at the opportunity to work with Lawrence and uh, all those picks in New York. But let's talk about the battle for first place in the NFC East. The first of three of them this weekend, (laughs) the Washington football team heads to Dallas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Bavada has the Cowboys minus three. Cowboys big Cowboys. Just so big. The, the Washington team is, is completely fraudulent on the offensive yeah. side of the ball. I mean, you you luck out uh, with the unfortunate injury to Joe Burrow. In the ba- Once that happened, the Bengals were toast. It didn't matter what you were doing. No. The, the Redskins' defense is good. I will say that. They are a very impressive group. Um, but I just think that the Cowboys are just so much better. Like that win for that win for Washington was like, yeah, we're back in this playoff race. I think I think that that tune is going to change uh, very quickly that Thursday afternoon. And the Thursday night game, we'll we'll see if this game ends up getting played. The Baltimore Ravens head to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bavada has the Steelers minus five and a half. Chris, this league makes no sense. It makes no sense, and that is why. Even though they're going to lose, Lamar Jackson and whatever six other guys are allowed to play in this game, mm-hmm. if it happens, they'll cover that number. It'll make no sense. It just, it just, it, it's the Steelers on on all facets of the game, offense, defense, should absolutely pummel the Ravens this week. And if for some reason they won't, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, hated rivals. That it's going to come down to a, a last drive of the game. Uh, for one of these teams, and I think it's the Ravens, and they just come up just short, continuing the narrative that Lamar can't throw himself back into games. <laughs> uh, bonus game I want to talk about because of some other things that are going on off the field. The Kansas City Chiefs had the Tampa Bay to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bavada has the Bucks plus three and a half, but that, Gregory, isn't what interests me, though I, we will get your pick. What interests me is what's going on with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady Arians flat out throwing Brady under the bus to a degree that he has never encountered in the NFL before, saying that the the future Hall of Fame quarterback is getting confused by defenses. I mean, he's not wrong. I know, but how do you say that publicly? Because you're Bruce Arians and you don't care. Like you, that's crazy to me, though. Like with all the weaponry that that Tampa Bay team has. If they had just a semi, like a, a, a like a, a, just above average quarterback, Jameis, hey, Jameis Winston, I think this team is in a, a better situation. I don't think they are worried about underthrows. I don't think they're like, like, like essentially they almost replaced Jameis with a, a semi older version of Jameis. It's weird. It's weird. Brady not being able to hit guys. His long ball is just atrocious. Like, oh, it's, he is O of 19 on throws over 20 yards in the past month. Yeah. It's, it's really bad uh, for them, but he can still hit some of the short stuff. Like he's hitting, he, he can hit them, but there, there are times you see some of these interceptions and you're just like, buddy, what are you doing? You, yeah. you can never make that throw and he's doing it. It's weird. Arians likes to throw the long ball. Brady is it's not something he's ever been super comfortable with. I'll tell you what, we already talked about somebody who is probably going to be available and it's unlikely they move on from Brady for contractual reasons, but maybe Brady retires. Matt Stafford would look really good in a Bruce Arians offense. Oh, he'd be unbelievable. He'd be unbelievable because, like, he would have a competent defense, too. Like, and with and all he that. he wants to throw the ball downfield. And with all that weapon, again, all the weapons that are on that team Mike Evans, Godwin, now you add Antonio Brown into the mix. Uh, mm-hmm. Gronk, who knows what that uh-huh. situation would be. Um, but you have Cameron Brate, OJ Howard will be back. Uh, Ronald Jones has emerged as a guy who can be relied on somewhat. I, they had they had like twenty two rushing yards. Well, the, the, the problem is you're playing the Rams, and the Rams have one of the best rushing defenses in the league. So, like, what are you mm. going to do in that situation? But it's it, like to me, to to me, a guy like Stafford would be perfect for that team. Like that would be 
ideal, honestly, yeah, and fun. and save uh, save you know Matt Stafford from just d- demising in in New uh, Detroit. Yeah, well, I, I don't think he's going to be in Detroit next year, but you know, no, maybe you think you, know, you, think, you think his wife's public comments have anything to do about it? <laughs> like there, there, to, there's going to be some interesting musical chairs at the quarterback position for sure. Uh, you have to think when you're Matt Stafford and all the things that you've been through with the Lions, with injuries, with your back last year, and all the weird protocol stuff this year, and then like. You go to Twitter and you just see like your wife is trending for like screaming <laughs> about COVID lockdowns, and you gotta just yeah. be like, "Dog, just relax, like relax for one second. No one is enjoying what is going on right now with COVID. Like yeah. no one is. Like, yeah, it's so frustrating to me, man. I don't know. Well, it's always fun to end things on a really negative note, and that that's what I like to accomplish <laughs> whenever possible. That's what we're gonna do this week. So. For Greg Crow and I'm Chris Forwardell. This has been You're Wrong and Here's Why. We thank you for listening. We'll see you next week and have a happy, happy, and for the love of God, safe Thanksgiving.